Welcome to the Making Kids Count podcast brought to you by Kentucky Youth Advocates, where we sit down with policymakers, community leaders, and youth to discuss ideas to make Kentucky the best place to be young. Now here's your host, Terry Brooks. This is Terry Brooks, and thanks for joining us for a special Making Kids Count podcast. There is no more seminal decision for Kentucky's children than the details of the biennial state budget. Every aspect of child well-being, economics, early childhood, K-12 education, child welfare, health, juvenile justice, all of those are impacted in significant and sweeping ways in terms of what makes it to that final budget and also what pieces are missing from that final budget. Therefore, knowing that listeners to this podcast are champions for children, that listeners to this podcast are Kentuckians intent on making a difference for kids, I believe that Kentucky Youth Advocates has an obligation to do everything we can to keep you informed as this state budget process plays out. And frankly, that's tough. First, while important to be sure, it is not the most captivating topic, and in podcast form, it just may be flat out impossible to make this into exciting listening. So therefore, I just want to give you a prefatory thanks for hanging in with us, for being willing to dig in to the details. And folks, we need you We need you to be as informed as possible on this so that you can best communicate to Governor Bashir and your state representative and your state senator. So I would encourage you to keep going to our website for updates. As an example, today's podcast can best be described as a preliminary analysis. As we drop this, it's only been a few days since Governor Bashir gave his budget address And therefore, we are in only the beginning stages of going through those hundreds of pages of documents, of asking questions to the governor. And by the way, to date, the Bashir administration has responded with speed and transparency to every inquiry. We also want to engage partners in thoughtful conversations about what this line item or what that line item means to kids in their particular part of the world. Secondly, and most of you know this, this is a tough process because the governor's budget is only the first step in a long, long, long journey. The next step is for the House to craft and pass its own budget. That may be very similar to the governor's budget, or it may be radically different. And after that House budget gets finalized, it goes to the Senate, where essentially yet another budget is crafted. We would expect there to be changes from the House's version, but probably around nuance and not major tenets. So, okay, hang in with me. We're now on the third budget. And then the next budget emanates from a conference committee in which the House and Senate compare notes and then reach an agreement for a final budget to be submitted to the governor. That budget goes to the governor's desk, 
at which time he may sign it, in which case we will have a budget, or he may veto it. And if Governor Bashir vetoes it, I would expect the General Assembly to override that veto. And at last, then we will have, drumroll, a budget. Well, you may be saying, why that sounds like I'm going to be hearing about not one or two or three, but maybe four or five or six budgets. Well, you'd be right. But our state leaders are constitutionally mandated to pass a state budget by April 15th. So we do have an end target in sight. So in in other words, our kids need your intellectual commitment right now. This budget business is complex. It is not a thrilling read, but we need you to be informed. We need smart advocates giving voice to kids. I've already told you about one aspect of the meta-narrative that I'm betting on, that in the final days of the session, the governor will veto the budget and the General Assembly will override that action. Another issue I want to give you a heads up on before we dig into the governor's budget is an issue that I don't think is getting a lot of attention around, and in some ways it may be one of the more significant elements There's going to be a major disagreement from the get-go between legislative leaders and the governor on the actual dollars at play. Governor Bashir built his budget on several assumptions about revenue, ranging from sports gaming and increased revenues to taxes on tobacco and e-cigarettes to government efficiencies. I will be shocked if the General Assembly accepts those revenue assumptions. That means from the very get-go, we are going to be dealing with apples and oranges. Honorable, thoughtful disagreement between Governor Bashir and legislative leaders. Whether it's your personal budget or KYA's budget or your church's budget or your PTA's budget, every budget is predicated on how much revenue you have. That means the variations in the state budget are going to look very differently because I believe the governor's bottom line will be looking different than the General Assembly's bottom line. So to summarize, this is serious business for our kids, maybe the most important business conducted on their behalf in Frankfurt. As a voice on whom our kids count, This is going to be a pain to you. It is going to be confusing, but we need you to hang in with us. We need you to become the most knowledgeable voice that your state representative and senator hears from when it comes to kids' issues. And what we are about to dig into, Andy Bashir's budget, is the first iteration of what will probably be three or four versions to follow. So this is chapter one in Kentucky's long budget novel. So at last, let's dig into Governor Bashir's January 28th budget address. A better today for our families and a better tomorrow for our children. That's how Governor Andy Bashir opened his budget address. So the critical question is clear. 
Do the finite fiscal details match that lofty vision? And as I've tried to convey in my introductory remarks, any immediate reaction to any budget address, including this one, they just have to be tempered with the need for an in-depth analysis. Now, that doesn't preclude some initial thinking. And as I take away what Kentuckians heard from the governor last week, key takeaways include the following. First of all, no one can argue that public education is not a seminal determinant to child well-being. Therefore, increasing the per-pupil or SEEK funding, providing initial funding to school safety, they're real positives in the Bashir budget. It should be noted that school leaders need those SEEK dollars to be delivered in the most flexible of ways. Additionally, while we recognize that re- realizing the potential of the School Safety and Resiliency Act is a long-term proposition, I just need to say that I'm surprised and disappointed in the rather tepid commitment around investments to make that a reality. If there is an area in Governor Bashir's budget that most disappoints me, it's this one, and I can't quite figure it out. As an example, Senate Bill 1, the School Safety Act from last session, has set the table for foundational reform around behavioral and mental health supports for kids. And let's face it, that will protect far more kids in far deeper ways than any facility enhancement or any allocation for school resource officers. It's there for the taking. And I'm so impressed that school leaders are absolutely animated by its potential. Additionally, there is a new Medicaid option that can multiply state dollars exponentially. In other words, for every dollar that Kentucky schools spend on health services for low-income kids, there are three federal dollars coming their way. That means a smart and small seed investment in behavioral and mental health services by Kentucky can bring game-changing revenues to our schools. I understand that neither Governor Bashir nor the General Assembly can embrace every good idea, whether that's in K-12 or any arena. As an example, educators and KYA continue to long for full-day kindergarten and universal pre-K, but given budget realities, I'm hearing from educators whom I respect a certain acceptance that those ideas are still vital, but perhaps still a bit removed from what this state can currently do with the revenue we have. However, I would go so far as to assert that the behavioral and mental health supports that I've referenced have to be the highest priority of any public school budget line item. And if those are not addressed in the final budget, then this budget will have failed kids. Moving to another point, in contrast to what I was just saying, 
we need to send kudos to the governor for what I thought was an extraordinarily strategic and insightful approach to building a robust early childhood system through targeted investments in preschool. So way to go, Governor Bashir. We appreciate that both in terms of a symbolic commitment but also substantive seed capital to an arena of high need. Another point that needs to be highlighted is the governor's commendable investment in hiring frontline workers within the Department for Community-Based Services. That is a smart and on-point budget decision. We simply cannot begin to talk about protecting children without supporting the workforce charged with protecting them. One aspect I would add on to this point is that the Bashir administration has to find ways to retain these new workers. When previous governors, including Matt Bevan, have increased the frontline workforce, everyone applauded, and they should have. But the data shows that these new workers never really reduced caseloads because of turnover. So if we're going to be pushing on the idea of not just adding new workers, we have to push on the idea of supporting that workforce so the new budget commitment will have a desired effect. Another area around abuse and neglect that I want to highlight is Andy Bashir's support for child advocacy centers. That can be such a lever to protecting children who have experienced the tragedy of abuse, and we were encouraged to see the governor's commitment to that quasi-government entity. In other arenas that need to be highlighted, the governor's categorical allocation of resources to close the gap in child health coverage is one of the real wins in this budget for kids. Over the last several years, and again, this is a compliment to both former Governor Steve Bashir and former Governor Matt Bevan. The percentage of children covered for health care has improved so much. But that trend has leveled out, and we've hit something of a ceiling, which still leaves about 10,000 kids lacking coverage. The governor has consistently talked about tackling that final hard-to-reach group, and we are animated and appreciative that this is a bashir focus area. Again, a relatively minimal investment is going to pay inordinately large dividends in ensuring every Kentucky kid can access the care they need to be healthy. Way to go, Governor Bashir. Now, one item I want to highlight on the revenue side that piqued our attention. As a vaping epidemic impacts so many of our Kentucky teens, the governor's proposed tax on e-cigs and the proposed increase of the cigarette tax can be a beginning point to prevent use among our youngest Kentuckians. As budget discussions continue in the House, we hope to see Representative Jerry Miller's House Bill 32 to increase the e-cig tax equal to current tax on cigarettes advance. 
This measure is considered a gold standard to get these harmful products out of the hands of our children, to reduce future health care costs, and to provide revenue for the state budget. No one can and no one should grade this budget for kids without further investigation. We have to discover, for instance, whether Kentucky's kinship families will receive imperative supports like respite care and adequate placement support benefits. We have to discover how the budget expends broader funding issues around the child welfare system. Will we begin to invest in front-end prevention efforts or simply continue to focus on the most expensive and least effective measures? Juvenile justice diversion, economic measures like a refundable state-earned income tax credit, smart investments in family recovery courts, and youth-based tobacco cessation programs are also non-negotiables that we're going to be looking for in our more detailed exploration of Governor Bashir's proposed budget. Anyone who declares this budget proposal a rousting win for kids, or anyone whose immediate reaction is to relegate this proposal as more rhetoric than reality, is simply being political and not analytical. So were there a number of encouraging signals in the governor's proposal? Absolutely. Do we need to dig deeper to answer any number of questions around this budget's impact on children? Absolutely. And again, you need to do your own digging. Go to our website and follow our ongoing budget updates and analyses. We also will be hosting a series of podcasts focusing on the budget at play. As an example, our next podcast will feature Dr. Leon Munahan, who is one of the most respected voices in the K-12 community and is something of a finance genius when it comes to schools. So listen to what he has to say. Then we're going to have what I would call a Big Kahuna Budget Podcast featuring the Center for Economic Policy, the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce, and the Pritchard Committee sharing their takes on the budget. Now, I just need to be candid. Those three groups do not always agree with each other, and we at KYA certainly do not always agree with them. But we take our responsibility, our responsibility seriously to give you different perspectives from respected voices on this budget business, and that's what we're going to begin to do. I would also anticipate some more deep-dive podcasts like this one as those different budget iterations come to play. So hang in, stay tuned, and I continue to hope and I continue to believe that the governor, the Kentucky Senate, and the Kentucky House can and will come together to ensure that this biennial budget is a kids-first budget. This is Terry Brooks. Thanks for listening to Making Kids Count. Thank you for listening to the Making Kids Count podcast with Terry Brooks. 
For more information and to listen to more episodes, visit kyyouth.org slash podcast. Kentucky Youth Advocates is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization who doesn't accept government money so that we can remain truly independent. To support this podcast and our mission as the independent voice for Kentucky kids, please consider making a gift at kyyouth.org slash donate.